This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Day. Senator James Inhofe is one conservative guy, and he is proud of it. But the Oklahoma Republican has a track record of also working with liberals on bipartisan legislation. As chairman of the Armed Services Committee, he and Rhode Island's Jack Reed, the panel's ranking Democrat, have worked very well two years running on the annual defense authorization bill. And before that, he worked quite productively with California Democrat Barbara Boxer, the yin to Inhofe's yang on environmental issues when they led the Environment and Public Works Committee. In the latest political theater podcast, Niels Lesniewski and I spoke to Inhofe in his office just as the chamber was getting ready to debate the annual defense bill. He was candid about his friendships with Jack Reed, Boxer, and other colleagues on Capitol Hill, some of whom might surprise you. And he was also equally not shy in talking about others he seems a bit less impressed with. Democrat Elizabeth Warren, for one, and two Republican colleagues even, Rand Paul of Kentucky and Mike Lee of Utah. Senator Inhofe, thank you for joining uh, my colleague Niels Lesniewski uh, and I to talk about your time in the Senate, particularly your work with your colleagues, and particularly your work with your colleagues across the aisle. Thanks for taking a little time to talk with us. Sure. It's my honor. So, Niels, uh, why don't you kick it off with some of the some of the news that we're covering at Roll Call. I mean, we obviously have a lot of interest in the defense authorization bill. It's one of the a few bills that have made it to the floor uh, in, in the Senate this year, and, and so we're, we're of keen interest on that. Mm-hmm. And Senator Anhoff, as chairman of the Armed Services Committee, has been shepherding that process. Right. And, and so, Senator Anhoff, I, I wanted to start by asking how it is that you, who by most regards is either one of the most conservative or the most conservative member of the Senate, are able to uh, work with with Democratic colleagues on the the Armed Services Committee and and actually produce a bill that is is coming to the floor. Yeah, well, you're right. I have been over the years uh, among the most conservative members. In fact, the most recent one was less than, it was uh, two months ago, GovTrack singled me out as the most conservative member of the United States Senate. Now, there is uh, one thing that they did that they considered that other people don't consider when they talk about who's conservative. And that is, there's an old document nobody reads anymore called the Constitution. In there it says what we're supposed to be doing. So what this group does, they look at the two areas and they're forgiving on being a, a big spender in one area or another. But the two things that, that it, it, it points out in the Constitution that we're supposed to be doing here is no, number one, defending America, and number two, they called them post roads then, being involved in infrastructure. So it's going back to a, a previous chairmanship that I had that was of the Environment and Public Works Committee. That was one with where Barbara Boxer and I, depending on at what time we Republicans were a majority and the Democrats were a majority. When she is a majority, then of course she'd be chairman. When I'm a majority, I'd be chairman and she would be ranking member. So we prided ourselves in getting things done. In fact, when we were a majority during her last couple of years, we have a meeting with Mitch McConnell, all the, the uh, chairman of all the committees, on Tuesday at 12.15. 
and they'd each one talk about what they're doing in the committees. When it came to my turn, I'd say, now from the committee that actually does things. <laughs> and, and so, because you know, we've done all the big bills. We've done the highway bills, we've done the chemical bills, we've done the water bills. These, these are the big bills. And I think one reason going to Barbara Boxer, since she had, we'd spent so many years, we're totally opposite. But uh, we have a genuine, you know, love for each other. And, uh, and uh, the fact that we come from areas where we don't have anything in common, that it, it, if anything, you can let that unite you. You can make a joke out of it. You can joke around about it. So what I've attempted to do in, in that committee, and then the same thing now in armed services, is uh, uh, get with people who are uh, the far, far left of me. Right now, if, if, if you were to ask Bernie Sanders, he's on the committee, you know, who, which one, I, I know he'd say the right, give you the right answer because he gave the right answer on CNN once. They said, well, what conservative do you like? <laughs> and he, he said, I'm probably destroying his career, but Jim Inhofe. <laughs> so we've always gotten along. That same thing is true on the Armed Services Committee. We work with members that uh, I don't think there's two closer friends than Jack Reed and myself. So there's so many areas where you can get things done and not be fighting with each other. And uh, we've been able to do that. By the way, on, on the armed services, you gotta keep in mind now, I've been around here for a long time. I had a career before I got in. I was a builder and developer for some 20 years. But I was eight years in the House before I came to the Senate in 1994. So I, I've always been on the Armed Services Committee all that time. One thing, it occurred to me that the, the NDA process, the defense authorization process, has been very smooth. I think the, the markup was done almost in record time, about seven hours, which, you know, that's... Six that's hours. A, that's a pretty, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Well, it's pretty smooth, pretty mm -hmm. streamlined. And then this week, you know, we've got some news about, you know, sort of a shakeup at the Defense Department with the acting secretary, Patrick Shannon, leaving and a new possible acting secretary. We have the, these issues with Iran, you know, sort of coming up. Do you anticipate that some of the sort of the goodwill might be a little frayed going into what is, again, typically a very bipartisan process? Well, let me tell you what. It's half yes and half no, because in the Senate, it's a yes. In the House, it's not so much because you have a different, not just the Democrats are in control, but you have a, a very fine person leading it over there who has just never been very strong on, on defense, and that's Adam Smith. And just as an example, a lot of the positions that he took were positions that we really disagreed with, Democrats and Republicans in the Senate. So historically, it's, it's kind of funny because you get into these trenches nobody knows about. We always start our defense authorization bill in the committee on a Wednesday. Now, don't ask me why, but it's always on a Wednesday. And so it's always Wednesday you get started, and then it used to, up until a couple of years ago, go over until Thursday, and then we'd end up, end up sometime on Thursday. Well, last year we decided to, uh, which is the first year that I actually served as the chairman of the committee, to go ahead and get it done in one day. And so we did. We went in at 9 o'clock, finished at 6 o'clock. This year we went in at 9 o'clock and finished at 3.45. So... It kind of, you know, you can get things done if you know that where the opposition is, you can really quick, quickly call votes, and nobody's upset about it. That's, they, they, they want to make sure they have an opportunity. So we have had that experience of getting along together. Now I have to say this, because 
Adam Smith, he and I have been involved in two in previous years, two the big four committees, when you can't, you finally get to the point where you can't resolve it. And so the big four get together and they do that. And we work pretty fast together and pretty well together. So I anticipate that even though the house is different in the way that they went up, it took them 20 hours to get their bill through, that we, once we get to conference, we'll have a smooth conference. How do you look at the, the fact that there are presidential candidates on the, on the committee this year? There were, there were a couple <laughs> of uh, Democrats, certainly far to your left, who are on the committee. I think the two no votes both came from that realm. And, and how, how is it working with them uh, behind closed doors? Well, you, you, you got to keep in mind all of them who are running, and they're all running. It kind of reminds me of what happened in, in just the same time in the previous election. We had 17 Republicans running. Now we have 20 Democrats running, about the same number. And in, in terms of their performance in the committee, I have to tell you that they were not a, a great contributor to the committee because there is an understandable reason for them not uh, them to div to avoid things behind closed doors. If it's behind closed doors, they don't get any mileage of it. And they're all running for president. And so they want to have all the attention. So you have people like uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, she's from Oklahoma, how could I forget? She's not from Oklahoma. But uh, she comes in, and you can set your watch. In fact, Jack and I talk about this. When you have these meetings, it's, it's good to be the chairman of a big committee. That's a good deal. I mean, you want to do that. The bad news is you have to be there every minute. You know, and they're all three-hour meetings. So you're sitting in one chair for three hours. And you can time it when she comes in because she wants to come in at a certain time that she'd be live on different, and, and she'll come in and just be outraged by something. It may have nothing to do with what the hearing's about but it gives her that forum. That it, and so I would just say there is a, a propensity to not be working on trying to get a bill passed as much as trying to get attention. I don't single her out. I'd say that would be true with anyone running for president. Getting back to Barbara Boxer, the retired California senator who you worked with on the Environment and Public mm -hmm. Works Committee. Um, I, I, I mean, the, obviously, the you know the affection, the friendship was was palpable. You could you could sense it when you were working together on the floor. Uh, it's hard to fake that kind of friendliness, even with people saying "my good friend" and so forth all the time. Yeah, uh, and they don't mean it. Either. Right. You quite literally wrote a book, uh, sort of taking aim at possibly her most cherished, you know, cherished uh, ideal about that we have to address global warming. Mm -hmm. You wrote a book called The Greatest Hoax mm -hmm. about your own feelings about it, which mm -hmm. was the diametric opposite. Exactly. How, how did you overcome that? Because that's the, you know, from her perspective, this is the greatest threat to humanity's mm -hmm. continued existence. From mm -hmm. your perspective, it's the greatest hoax being perpetrated mm -hmm. yeah. on humanity. How did you avoid this, this particular elephant in the room? We enjoyed it. <laughs> First of all, when, when you talk about the greatest hoax, the hoax is that the world's coming to an end because of man-made anthropogenic gases. That's the hoax. It has nothing to do with climate change and all of that. They couldn't win on that, so they tried something else. But we found ourselves in so many debates, high-level high debate situations, 
I remember uh, King. What was King's first name? He's not on anymore. Uh, Angus he, King or? Uh, no, no, this is the oh. radio show. Oh. Larry King? Larry King. All right. Larry King had a show and he had us both on. And, uh, and so I normally don't, she'll come with me and that's about it. But uh, she had a, a pretty sizable entourage. And this is when Larry King was, uh, it was very popular. And so he had this show and we were both in. This is a debate situation. And we walked into the green room together. And I said, you know, you really look nice tonight. <laughs> and I reached, this is right before we went on, and I doesn't hair hair like that. And all of her staff started laughing. But, but, but she immediately had to try to recover because she was going on the highly watched uh, program of Larry King. And uh, that's kind of set the stage for us making light of this thing and enjoying our positions and seeing how foolish we can make the other one look. So it kind of, it's, it's, that was the, the, the relationship that we had. And we sometimes it'd be hard to keep a straight face when you're saying things that sounded mean to the outside, but, um, but they, they weren't really. So does that, that, that make sense? That we, does. We, we, we'd act if, I, if I can uh, uh, get to the, the, the week uh, and what's ahead of us here with the, the defense authorization, mm -hmm. Is there any reason for optimism that this year's process on the floor will go any better than when Senator McConnell has to cut off the amendment debate because no one can get to an agreement on voting on anything? Okay, any how many times do you remember last year of me saying on the floor with two of the members who were the ones doing this, one from Kentucky and one from Utah, uh, said, now you guys, you hope you know what you're doing here by saying that if I can't have my bill up, my amendment up, I'm not going to allow any, it has to be done by UC and no one's going to get an amendment up. And I said, all of I said, look at them, Democrats and Republicans alike, and thinking that that would change it. Well, it didn't. And so uh, we talked about that all year. And then when this, we just started focusing. You know, we've been working on the defense authorization bill in the committee for a long time but it hasn't been visible to the outsiders. We started talking about that and we relived those things that happened, how one or two people could stop anyone else from getting an amendment up. And as a result of that, frankly, it makes it my life easier. You know, if we don't have to mess with a whole lot of amendments, that's, that, was, that would be a lot easier. And, and it ended up being that way. But what we did in preparation for that is I went early to the committee and, uh, and, and then Mitch McConnell warned them also. He said, if you got amendments, get them in now, get them in now. And we have over several hundred amendments already that we have done. And to, we did that because of what happened uh, uh, one year ago. Well, that's not gonna happen again, I'm, I'm pretty sure, because uh, I don't think that the same people are, anyway are gonna make, uh, gonna make that happen. And number two, They've already got all these amendments in. I mean, we've, we've, uh, we've found agreement. And I can give them the number after they leave, get a current number on this, but I, I can't remember now just exactly what it is now, but it's a couple hundred anyway. So, you so, do, so you, for that reason, I think it's going to be not the same situation as it was a year ago. So Senators Paul and Lee have, have 
they've communicated that they're they, they have their stuff in or no no okay no they haven't okay. I didn't mean to imply that but uh, they're aware that uh, some of the other members aren't all that happy during yeah. the committee there was a debate uh, within the committee we understand over the uh, authorization for use of military force mm -hmm. um, uh, is that a debate that is worth having on the floor over the limits of the use of force, particularly given what's going on with respect to Iran right now? Is that a debate that the Senate should have as part of the arms, well, as part I of the defense? I think it's an unavoidable debate. I didn't say we should have it. I'm just saying it's unavoidable, so we're going to have it. And uh, in, in, in a way, anything that is high level like that, I'd say the same thing is true with the, with the, with the medium force uh, issue. That's become a solid uh, partisan issue, and that's going to be a lively debate, one that we have already debated lively. Um, so there are some things that are, are really high level. We had a meeting sitting in here this morning with Jack Reed and myself. Uh, we went over all the potential things that would be out there that would be a lot longer or it'd be really uh, partisan uh, uh, bills, and there aren't that many. Uh, we've named two of them, and that's about, I can't, right off the top of my head, I can't think of other ones, uh, other than maybe the top line issues or something like that. So, uh, yes, we will have debates on the sensitive issues, and I think there are a lot of people who are going to be more motivated by wanting, wanting to use that as a forum for an issue they feel strongly about. Uh, and this may be the last chance to have. Just, just to follow up on, on how you think the Iran debate is going to play out, if you have a sense of where the votes actually are um, on, on those questions in the Senate? Well, first of all, I'm not sure that it's, uh, you know, there's, th this Iran debate's been going on a long time. And uh, there are, if, if, the, the recent findings and the things that have happened are not all that different than they were back when they did the, the, what I call the, 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 uh, uh, well, the, the Iran deal uh, disaster. Uh, and so that's been taking place for a long time. These people have been at the center of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of all the, the, the problems for such a long period of time that what they did in the, in the Gulf and, and other areas, it's still, they're still the terrorists, the leader of the terrorists. And so uh, we, are, we have provisions in there that it's probably several provisions that affect our relationship with a lot of countries, including Iran. But I think that it's, even though it's pretty, uh, pretty stark and pretty shocking to see some of the things that are going on, none of those have been unexpected. So I, did, I don't see that changing what we're doing in our committee uh, in any material way. We're going to con consider to consider them the centrics of terrorism in the world. I think we're going to wrap up now, Senator. I did want to end on uh, a lighter note. Uh, I, uh, I've always been fascinated by your middle name, Mountain. Oh. I think it's one of the more interesting middle names, yeah. <laughs> certainly in, in, in Congress. I was just wondering what the story is there for, for our listeners. Uh, well, my mother's, Mountain my mother's name was Blanche Phoebe Mountain. 
Okay. And uh, now we're we're all Germans from uh, in Iowa. I was Iowa, not Oklahoma. Born in Des Moines. Des Moines, yeah. And uh, it, it is funny because she was a school teacher on the right next door to the farm where my father lived, and uh, and she, but she was from France. Everyone else is from Germany. His, her last name was Monte, and so they Americanized it for Mountain. And now we have my name is Mountain. I've got two grandkids that are mountains, and uh, that's the history. Thank you very much, Senator. Thank you. You're very welcome. That's going to do it for us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you happen to listen to your podcast. I don't know. Ask your like smart refrigerator or whatever. Alexa, bring up uh, Political Theater with Jason Deck. It works, I swear. And please take a moment to rate us. Every little bit helps. Thank you for listening.